Hey everyone, welcome back to The Reluctant Cruise, a One Piece rewatch podcast. I'm one of your hosts, my name is Brian, and with me is Steve. I rode Nessie to Scotland to play golf and wear a kill. What the fuck? Um, and Slash. Uh, top 10 Phils. We got Uncle Phil, legendary basketball coach Phil Jackson, famed singer Phil Collins. Uh, not one piece filler though. It's the kind of filler and fill that you would like to avoid. But here we are doing it for you. Yeah, it's uh still hot because it's still the same day. Just letting you into that. Uh, yeah, it's not fun. <laughs> filler. Sucks. A lot more filler. A lot more suck. But that's just my objective opinion, though. And I'm glad you're listening to the podcast. You can't have an objective opinion. In which, if you're listening to it, we're right. And you're probably wrong. Unless you think we are also right. In that case, you're also right. Then having options great. Yeah. Why don't you get us started with episode 58, Slash? Sounds good. All right. So back in Land of Filler, everyone fell down a hole and they were looking up at a painting on the ceiling. Pick up. This episode called Duel in the Ruins. Strained Zoro versus Eric. All right. So everyone's down. This this underground money pit looking thing. And, uh, you know, there's just ruins strewn everywhere. And parts of the ceiling are missing beyond just the area that they fell through. Ryuji senile grandpa dragon continues to convey his thoughts to apis and also luffy realizes that where they are may not actually be a lost island everyone's kind of just like well what do we do now but as everyone's kind of scoping out the ruins nami taking a closer look at the mural of because of course she is sensibly i guess the one with the most uh map knowledge so she says, hey, this actually kind of looks like it might be a map. Um, she looks at the design of one of the structures, which makes it look like a temple dome that's drawn on the ceiling, and that is what she assumes to be where they are currently. Um, and she also sees what look to be uh, people drawn on the map, and she infers that they may be the ancestors of Apis and those who live on Warship Island because... They're uh, denoted by wearing the little pope hats that they have, little pointy hats. So that's a thing. But she also notices that the people, as well as what looks to be dragons that are painted over, are headed toward what seemed to be, you guessed it, a warship island. So more or less, they kind of just have to double back. Uh, but as they're going through this and kind of trying to decipher uh, what everything means, uh, they also kind of infer that these people who are obviously like very obsessed with the aesthetic of dragons and who and what these dragons are and meant to them is like structuring their society around them are like, yeah, no, they definitely had a thing for these dragons. Um, and they determine that like, well, if this island was their main home, then that warship island is actually where the dragon nest is. And I guess we should probably just go back. But Nami also assumes that it's like, well, wait, we were at Warship Island, though we didn't see a dragon's nest, we just saw Ryuji hidden in the cave, and that was it. So they also take the prediction that uh, Warship Island, or more specifically the entire dragon's nest that should be attached to it, sunk to the ocean a long time ago, or 
It's just not there for some other reason they haven't determined yet. But as this is going on, uh, Ryuji sees a bunch of birds fly by once again because I guess birds are like anti-PTSD for him. Or birds are like his flashback convenience medicine. I don't know. Either way, he sees birds flying around and they fly across the mural in a very convenient pattern that also give him another flashback. Um, which he remembers, like, yeah, I think we were supposed to go to Warship Island all the time. Oops. <laughs> so, uh, everyone's like, well, at least we got here and we learned more. Let's start to head back. And everyone is kind of encouraging to Apis, who is very much about as frustrated as I think everyone should be at this, but they're at least trying to be nice because, of course, she's a traveling little girl who's just trying to help her friend at that point. Uh, so as they're prepping to leave the ruins, uh, Eric, of course, shows up right on time at the uh, the top of the hole in which they'd fallen down earlier. So Zoro is like, you know what? I got this. I'm going to hold this Joker off. Y'all get ready to get out of here. And Luffy's like, all right, I'm going to bust a hole in the wall. And Luffy just straight up, for whatever reason, just rams right in the wall. He doesn't even do like a gum gum attack. He doesn't do anything. He just tries to looney tune that shit. He just crashes straight into the wall with a headbutt, and everyone actually does a very comedic, like, oi, 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 like, what are you doing, you, you actual, like, brick brain? And then as everyone is about to scold him and finishes doing a very stereotypical sigh and do what the fuck, uh, a giant hole in the wall pops open. So there you go. I guess Luffy wins at the end of the day. Um, yeah, everyone gets a little cringe to that, and they're just like, what the fuck, man? How did that actually work? So anyway, uh, Luffy then... Gets her one on the cart with Ryuji, and boom, they break out of there uh, and roll their way back down the mountain. But in the meantime, Zoro is fighting off Eric. Um, and he's and Eric go back and forth for a little bit, uh, but as that's happening, Eric's like, shit, they're getting away. Now that I know that the dragon is the, you know, will give me the dragonite at this point, I'm just going to go straight after it. You know, I'm not going to waste my time fighting these guys, so... He ditches Zoro, but then Zoro goes after them, and they, in my notes here, I put they do their best Disney's Tarzan 1999 impression and surf down these tree vines uh, as they are still kind of fighting, and um, everyone else is a bit ahead of them, but uh, they make it all the way down first, and Zoro continues to try to be a thorn in Eric's side, and uh, they're fighting and clashing, but it's still rather rough, and then much further down the hill, Zoro can see the smoke from where they landed, and he's still a ways away, but he still needs to take care of Eric. Uh, and some birds back over at Luffy's group uh, fly by, and because Apis can, of course, speak to animals, uh, they warn her that Zoro's going to be in trouble. So Luffy does a big yeet of his arm somehow, and he just happens to land right on Zoro. I don't exactly know how. I, at this point, it doesn't really matter, I guess, because, I mean... It's, it's not so much the fact that he stretches that far. It's more just like he pulls all the way out. And he's like, okay, cool. Here, here's Zoro. We're going to pull you back. And Zoro kind of realizes comedically what is going to happen. He's like, oh, shit, not again. And he just, boom, just dips him out of there. Quick uh, quick exit from that battle, uh, leaving Eric to just kind of be dumbfounded there, despite kind of almost having an upper hand in the battle for a minute. But either way, um, because they were able to escape escape quickly um they are a step or two ahead of eric's marines and 
they trail away and they actually make it out of there. So they're finally getting out of the storm and getting out of the area, which I feel like they didn't emphasize the fact enough that they were they had to go back through the storm to get back out through the portal. So I guess their ship kind of very conveniently just made it out of there. I'm not going to ask questions at that point. Um, but yeah, they come out of the mirror portal back into, I guess, the main world. And um, would you know it, earlier from a previous episode, like we had mentioned, Major Nelson uh, has finally shown up to cause some real trouble uh, and see what was going on himself. And he has a much bigger marine ship. Um, it almost looks like there are like several small boats tied on the side. It's just a big old ship with a big old dumb like Oni ogre face attached to the front. Uh, if you look up pictures of what that means, you'll, you'll get what I'm saying. But either way, uh, he's got a big old ship that's, I guess, trying to match his personality or his aesthetic anyway of just being big chonky dude. And he suddenly reveals that he's going to create a blockade. And because he is the leader of the eighth fleet that we have, you know, watched harass Appies this, or Appies this whole time, he, um, Reveals that he has a bunch of other Navy ships with him. And boom, they stretch out and they pull out a bunch of chains together. And there is more or less just a big net blockade kind of blocking the Straw Hats in. And despite this, everyone is ready to fight. Uh, even Usopp gives kind of a joking speech like, haha, we're going to cut right through it. It's going to be easy, no problem. And obviously gives the big pause and he's like, Luffy, Zoro, Sanji, get to it. But regardless, everyone is ready to kind of throw down and just say, you know what, fuck it. Let's get these Marines and get out of this blockade before Eric comes up behind us. And um, that's pretty much it. And Alpice is uh, shocked by how much courage they have to just go straight into the Marines and fight them. And um, wouldn't you know it, that is to be continued. Uh, I want to be as detailed as I can. But some of these filler episodes are kind of short, so I don't know. What do you guys think? Damn, how do they fill out like third, like twenty or so minutes or wherever? If it's such like minuscule details, they must really, yeah, another uh, shitty point against uh, filler, in my opinion. Sorry, I just realized out of my phone muted. Yeah, no, it kind of following up on that point. It is kind of. This is something I'd noticed in <clears throat> one of the episodes that we had covered in the last podcast episode. But some of the plot points that they're hitting are redundant. Like when they have uh, Eric plotting to, oh, no, I'm going to take the Dragonite, blah, blah, blah. And then literally the next scene was uh, Commodore Nelson saying, he's not doing this, that means he's going to take the Dragonite. It's like, okay, you don't have to have both of them saying that at once, but it seems like not much is happening for how much time it's taking up, basically. Like, I don't know, maybe they could have cut down on how long it took the cart to get down to the water or whatever. Maybe they could have focused more on Zoro fighting Eric, but at the same time, Zoro is a little outmatched by someone who can just like throw at least in this point in time I would assume by someone that could just throw like fucking gusts of wind scythes at him. I don't know how how Zoro's gonna counter like range fighters in the future, but 
as of now, it's literally just him going stab and slash with his swords. So he's a fair point. I mean, that kind of almost touches on the idea of well, making little sickles might not be as cool as literally controlling smoke. Um, touching on Mr. Smoker, who we got out of in Rogue Town. Uh, there, one, is an explanation on the variety of devil fruit types that do exist in the world that is probably coming sooner than later. But two, um, there are going to be ways to fight a lot of these crazy users. Uh, but that will be touched on quite a bit later, I'm going to say. For, for now, let's just assume that power gaps do exist and uh, in the current state of where things are. But the hard, hard lessons will be learned at some point. Pretty short and stretched out episode. Not much else to say about it. Thing, things are at least moving, but there's not much to move at this point. Just even touching on that final point of Eric saying he's going to stab Nelson in the back and then showing Nelson being like, well, what if he stabs me in the back? Like, yeah, no shit. Either that or just the fact that they're, like I said, they literally have to, oh, my God, where could the other island be? Oh, we're not going to draw a third one. Let's just double back. Let's keep going with episode 59. Luffy completely surrounded. Commodore Nelson's secret strategy. So, Nelson has his men press the cannon attack on the Straw Hats, but warns them not to damage Ryu and the raft. So, all these cannonballs are falling completely around. You know, obviously the main target, hey, I need that fucking dragon's bones. So I need to make sure I can keep a track of it somehow and it doesn't just sink into the ocean so the commodore is self-assured of his immortality and he's counting his dragons before they roost and the lieutenant commander that's with eric whose name is hardy tells him that the mission is over since nelson's there and he has his entire fleet there to take over and finish the job but Eric doesn't like hearing that, and he orders the lieutenant commander to give him a rowboat and three men to crew it so that he can head towards the battle. Cut back to Opis, and she is promising Ryu, hey, I'm going to get you home. And seeing the girl's love for the dragon emboldens Usopp to renew his vow to get her to the nest. And, you know, that is until more cannonballs just fly around the ship. And at some point, Usopp for some reason thinks oh my god we've been hit and he's running around yelling we've been hit we've been hit and then Zoro's like shut up we haven't been hit and it's like oh yeah you're right who could have who even said that we got struck by a cannonball and Zoro's just like oh it was you so all that is happening until Luffy bounces a cannonball back at the marine ship and Nelson just starts to whine about how the filthy pirates are defiling his fleet. And he tells his men to prep the, what he calls the super giant cannon. The super giant cannon is basically the, the Oni masthead, right? Yeah, the big old ogre looking mouth on the front of his ship. Yeah, so the very front of his ship ended up actually being like a giant fucking cannon. So... His men are prepping that. They're getting it ready to fire on the Mary. And Usopp's like, no, I got this. Fuck you guys. And he aims carefully. And he manages to shoot one of their own cannonballs 
right down the middle of the giant cannon's barrel. And it completely, like, blows up the super giant cannon. The guys are all like, wow, that was really lucky. And he has so the guys are like, oh, wow, that's... For those unaware, Ryan is unfortunately, well, he does not have COVID, as Steve was joking. JK, he is I'm just subject joking. to having peppers being cooked in his house. And if you've not experienced this before, is though it results in good food later, uh, the process of it is quite a stinker sometimes. So bear with us. Yeah, uh, I, I'm probably just going to throw it at the end as a blooper, anyways. Uh, but yeah, just. Uh, the bane of little Latino children everywhere. <laughs> it's like in the complete opposite end of the house too, like on a different level, the other side just, and it's still getting me. Uh, what was I saying? Yeah. So the guys are all like, Oh wow. That's, that's a pretty lucky shot. And then Usopp's like, what the fuck do you mean luck? That was skill. And so without the threat of the giant cannon, bearing down on them luffy zoro and sanji decide okay now we can board the enemy ships so that they can get to work cutting the chains and you see dozens of marine mooks show up to fight and you know luffy and sanji do that classic oh, i'll take the ones on the right you take the ones on the left and they just put the fucking beat down on all of these marines and as that is happening zoro is able to cut through the chains on one of the ships in like a single strike and once they see that Nelson's like they're destroying the chains they're destroying the chains and so you see marines from like every ship start to rush in and there has to be like at least a hundred dudes just trying to swarm Luffy and Sanji but Luffy is able to bounce all of them into the water with what he calls the gum gum pinball and so the Straw Hats seem confident of their victory until massive sights of wind rock the Mary. And that is Eric letting us know that he has arrived at the raft. And you see Oppie's going, I know you, you're that sicko guy. And he's like, it's sickle, damn it. Oppie refuses to hand Ryu to the mercenary and Nami and Usopp try to intervene. But Eric's like, okay, uh, you can try to stop me but I'm literally right in front of this child. I will kill her. So Eric manages to take Ryu and Oppies. Seeing that, oh, the dragon is captured, Nelson says, hey, bring the dragon to me. And that is when Mercenary says, no, nah, no, it's mine. And that is where the official double cross happens because Eric plans on taking the dragon and its Dragonite with him to make himself perfect. So I'm assuming he means, oh, I can live forever, immortality, stuff like that. So Nelson orders his fleet to fire all of its cannons at the fleeing mercenary and his captives. And as these cannonballs are hitting the water all around them, luckily not damaging any of the actual targets, kind of like uh, Star Wars stormtroopers. Apis begs for all the Marines to stop harassing the dragon, who didn't want to hurt anyone. And she bites Eric. So in retaliation, the mercenary like grabs the girl and slams her down into the boat. 
and seeing this wakes the dragon and it just like stands up to its full height for the first time since you've seen the dragon introduced and the three marines that are with them just jump off in fear off the side of the boat into the water and eric turns back around and it's like oh oh shit and ryu knocks the mercenary far off into the horizon just in its anger so with all of that happening, it lets out a really bellowing, mighty roar. I'm trying to think of a good comparison. I guess if you want to go with like some superhero shit, it's kind of like Black Canary level shit where like the voice is just like echoing and like hurting everyone's ears and it's like actually causing a little bit of a shockwave. After this, Ryu begins to take flight and he's kind of considering how old he is fairly majestic and graceful still a big dragon though and nelson decides okay that living dragon is cool and all but i don't need the dragon to be alive for me to get the dragonite so he orders all of his cannons to aim and fire at ryu and seeing that what's going to happen luffy uh starts rushing further towards other ships to attack more marines trying to get them off ryu's back trying to slam into some cannons and ryu flies towards nelson and he seems like he's going to attack the commodore to try to get the marines to back off so that he can save obvious and eventually as the old dragon draws near he is shot down into the water so luffy uses his powers to try to get closer and eventually he launches himself far enough so that he can land on the dragon's back as it's slowly sinking into the water ryu seems to tell because you know he's not actually talking it's just like luffy looking into the dragon's eyes and ryu talking talking back according to luffy ryu seems to be telling him oh i'm gonna die soon and luffy promises him that hey we're going to get you to the nest, but you need a promise to fight to stay alive. And that is the end of episode 59. Thoughts? Dragon finally gets to fly, gets off his lazy ass. and You know, when you think about it, that's kind of the whole crux of this arc. Not to get, not to break form, but it's filler, so who the fuck cares? Um, if this dragon can fly, that would solve all their problems. That's one of those, like, uh, if blank blank did blank thing and like very prominent like why didn't they just take the eagles to mordor there you go that's the joke Boom. that's the whole setup no yeah uh and the answer to that question is because the evils are scared or the eagles are scared of the uh sauron's evil aura but that's that's more lord of the rings lore for another time no uh more progression same stuff it is cool that the dragon gets to fly uh when the dragon roars and everyone is kind of taken aback by it um while it is most likely just the ferocity of old ancient dragon waking the fuck up uh what's going on there is also somewhat of uh what looks like to be a phenomena that it, that other characters may also do in terms of like i guess let's just say making your aura make uh, mm, i don't know how to word this properly but without spoiling things later but let's just say using your aura to make people tremble let's just say that a better explanation for that will be given later, but that kind of reminds me of it. I don't exactly like think that's what they're. Yeah, I imagine that on a bigger level. 
but I don't think that is exactly this, but it's like in that field. And I'm wondering because this is like a dragon creature is, it in, is, are the same things happening or is it just me trying to draw parallels because there's really not much in this episode beyond more progression through this, this fight at this point. So I don't know more progression. We're pushing through. It's like giving out intimidating vibes almost. Bitch, don't kill my vibe. But anyways, it's a piece of filler. If you like the story, it's a good story. Good plot line. Good times. It's kind of just like, I don't know, it feels kind of inconsistent with the uh, the dragon just all of a sudden pulling itself up by its bootstraps and finally just deciding to do something. Like, oh yeah, I could have done this earlier, but I'm not. And with that, she's kind of like, well, whatever. Flaw in the storyline, I guess. I don't know. Tis it a tis. Well, why don't you uh, tell us what it is in episode 60? I sure as heck will. Episode 60, Through the Sky They Soar, A Thousand Year Legend Lives Again. Back in One Piece land... Yuji appears to be sinking in the water, floating down and down and down. We pan to Nelson as he tells his man to drag the dragon's body in with the harpoons, making sure to fully have him that dragon in his cl- in his clutches. Leafy catches a harpoon in midair for launching it back to Nelson's ship. The Marines prepare to fire on Luffy and Ryu. As Nelson says that bone fragments will do. But out of nowhere, everything starts to shake. Both on Warship Island and out at sea. Ryu lets out another roar in an attempt to call to other dragons. <sighs> Ryu collapses back in the water. The dragon cavalry arrives in massive numbers, and it's like a whole enchilada of dragons. Yeah, the whole enchilada is here. Luffy, full of wrath, decides to grab onto one of the highest flying dragons, whips himself up, and then comes crashing down on Nelson's ship, specifically on top of Nelson, with a good old gum gum battle axe. The Marines are leaderless. And they flee, wrecking some of their own ships in the process. Then, what we see next is the dragons are circling the water. Oppies cries. She's like, Ah, I failed my mission. Leafy tells her that Yuji actually got his wish. And tells her, You know what? Just listen to the other dragons. Like, everything's all gonna be normal. By the way, I'm not doing my Luffy Australian accent because this is filler. And Luffy doesn't talk like a badass in filler. He talks like a a wimp, in my opinion. Anyways. Nothing is canon. Everything is filler. Oh, God. Don't say that. <laughs> but anyways, shaking is getting stronger and stronger. And Nami comes to a realization about the name Millennial Dragon. She starts spitting out these facts like, Oh man, Millennial isn't a reference to dragon lifespans. It's a reference to their migratory pattern. 
And here I thought the dragons were eating avocado toast and going to brunch. You're damn right they are. They also look like they are fucking avocados. They're all green and shit. Look like they're airsick. Lost Island and the dragon's nest surface every thousand years. Wow. What a fucking plot twist. It's like she knew this the entire time. Didn't say anything. Thanks, Nami. Thanks for that. Quick bit of information. At the very end of the arc, Hoppies and and Straw Hats look on and wonder at the sight of this legendary island that popped out of the water. Kind of like Atlantis, except in the other direction. This is more like El Dorado, or am I remembering that wrong? Well, Atlantis sunk into the sea. I don't know about El Dorado. I thought El Dorado was in the jungle. That did not happen with El Dorado. You're talking about the, the DreamWorks movie, or just like the legend in general? Yes. Either way, I feel like the answer is no. God damn. Here comes this, this fucking land formation coming up out of the water, defying all physics. Oppies runs to Ryuji's body, because there it is floating in like, I don't know, a tidal pool looks like. Crew starts theorizing about all making up all these theories about the lost island, and the nests are sort of it's like a dragon graveyard. It's built up with all dragonite from dragons long since past, and da 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 all this random theory crap. Next thing you know, Luffy tells Oppies that she made Brew the happiest than he had been in years. That she truly cared for him and loved him like no other. All of a sudden, Oppies and the crew witness the birth of a baby millennial dragon. What timing. But imprints upon the little girl as it lays there and its first sight on her. Then Nami says, I was wrong, Oppis. I don't think this is a graveyard at all. I think it's a place of renewal, a special location designed to bring both old and new life together. Aw, how sweet, Nami. As if you couldn't figure it out before when you look at the other stones, they all look like dragons. Okay. Anyways, the crew plans to set off after a job well done while Nelson looks on. And Nelson just... the. Uh, piece of work that he is. Nelson, overjoyed by the flock of dragons that can be killed for Dragonite, tries to arrange a new deal when he sees Eric coming up behind him. Eric seems to kill the Commodore as he knocks the man out of the way. And our final scene we're left with is Eric staring down the straw hats. And that is where episode 60 ends. What a convenient set of timed events. No, yeah. Um, obviously very hammy and pillared up. That They're not millennial dragons, technically. They're dragons that come from an island that only shows up every thousand years. Oh, my God. Kind of actually, you know, I, I'll give a plus one to Eric for kind of just offing the other marine captain. You know, re- reminding you that one, one piece do be a little violent sometimes. But like not accessory, which at the same time, oh, oversized, lazy, like sloth-ridden, uh, marine, I guess captain or like, 
Eric, or no, not Eric, uh, Major, yeah, Major, Major Nelson, whatever this guy's name is that I will forget once we're done with these episodes. Um, at least he kind of had the stones to be like, you know what, everyone get out of the way. I'm the final villain the whole time, so I'll at least take that. But yeah, how, how convenient also that a young dragon just happened to be born and that this all happened to transpire at this exact time. But yeah, I guess that's what the dragon was trying to tell us all along. It was right in front of our noses and we just had to take a big, pointless roundabout trip to figure it out. Thanks, One Piece. Yeah. It's like I've been saying for weeks, Eric is the main fucking worst villain, most badass villain in all of One Piece up to fucking 60 episodes in. <laughs> Eric is the motherfucker. I'll hail this dude named Eric. Yeah. Let's see if you say that after another 900 episodes. Probably. I'm probably just going to pick it up as some sort of meme that uh, follows me along the way. We get to Wapole, we get to Crocodile, like, oh man, these motherfuckers don't have a thing on Eric. <laughs> yeah, we'll make that like when we make a power gap list someday when we get to much stronger people and talk about power, how power creep works in One Piece as far as like Shonen fighting anime is we'll we'll keep Eric somewhere in the tier list. Blackbeard and Ace? No, no, no. Eric. I'm not convinced of Blackbeard's power yet, but that's a discussion for another time. But yeah, anyway, so we are we are pretty much nearing what is the end of this filler arc, thankfully, for those who are avid listeners who have stuck with us through this chunk. So good on you, hooray, you made it through the filler as we did. But um yeah, no, the uh, this is pretty much wrapping. We'll have a little scuffle with Eric next time. I think we'll move on from there back back to back to the world of canon. Yeah, no. So this was, I would say, like our first full trial at doing a filler arc. Um, don't think it went badly, but we may experiment with some different formats on this the next time we uh, next time we roll around to a filler arc, which won't be for some time because jumping into the grand line, things kind of just steamroll right ahead into different happenings it's, it's kind of one island after the next and plot threads that sort of start to mimic more of what modern i guess one piece is sort of like whereas each arc originally in east blue is not a hundred percent connected it's more the people we meet and bring on our journey now go with us and near the end we're Nami is kind of the big thread through it all, is the thing. And you see like snippets of that, but that becomes even more so with the few characters we'll meet soon. But anyway, hooray, we've made it to pretty much the end of whatever. Dragon's Nest? Is that what this arc is called? I actually don't know. Dragon Tales? I fucking know. I would guess Lost Island. Not like Lost Filler. Warship? No, I think it's Warship Island. No, it is Warship Island, which doesn't make any sense because there's actually an arc that I was confusing this with later, that's a filler arc where they are not on a warship, but they invade some marine base or something for like a filler arc. I remember that one. And that's what I thought this was, but almost not like literally the island is just called warship island because shaped like a warship. That is like nothing to do with. And that's what the people call it too. The dragon sure as fuck didn't call it that. And I'm like, did the people who lived a thousand years ago or whatever, who made the, the, dragons monuments and stuff did they call it warship island i highly doubt it i don't know what a what a name well steve what do you have to plug tweeter 
tweeter I plug. I plug the tweeter. At Steve, S-T-E-B-E, Horniak, H-O-R-N-Y-A-K. Yeah, fun time. Plug me, baby. What the fuck? <laughs> what mean, the fuck was that? I also have a tweeter. Um, mine is at Rob Link. Uh, same old nonsense, same old channel. In that digital world. Um... You know, excuse me, that I also have uh, Twitch trying to get back on the game streamings. By the time you hear this episode, I may have actually got my uh, regularly playing schedule stream rolling out again. Not sure what I'm starting with next, but uh, I don't know. Maybe someday I'll play a One Piece game. That could be fun. Well, there's some fun One Piece games. Uh, one of my favorites is on the Wii, but I would mean I have to take the Wii out and waggle my hands around. Most of the waggle stuff in that game isn't that bad either. That's another tangent, but... I do think some of the single-player, non-canon-based One Piece games they tried to experiment with back in the day were pretty fun, that they act like filler of their own in a certain way. But this time, it's filler you can play through. Okay, my Twitter is at LTubacabra. That's E-L-T-U-B-A-C-A-B-R-A. The show's is at Reluctant Cruise. Instagram for the show is Reluctant Cruise Podcast. You can email us if you want to by sending it to reluctantcruise at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, have fun on that cruise. Go, uh, go save some dragons. Is a good time to be like crossed watching cats. That's hard to believe that M from the James Bond movies is a furry. Man, you know how fun be a smoke a blunt with Bigfoot. Went to UCLA. God damn, I can <coughs> I can fucking <laughs>